we got a big day today. We're today's, you know, how many know today we're doing baptism? All right. We've had a little change of plans. We're still doing the baptism, so no one get nervous. But we've decided to take it to the beach afterwards. <laughs> All right. So it just uh, practically it was becoming uh, too much of a stretch to to make it happen here, and so we're encouraging y'all. We're going to try to cut service a little bit early, and we're going to head there right after church. Let us not lose you. This is awesome. This is family time. We got people that are being baptized, and you can carpool. Yeah, if you want to carpool, that saves parking. That's great. Um, so okay. So I'm going to, here in a little bit, a second, I want to talk to you about baptism, but before I go there, I just wanted to kind of shoot from the hip about some things that uh, we've been feeling and just kind of help address some things and just try to get everybody on the same page. The scripture says to write the vision and make it plain so that those that read it may run in Habakkuk. And so there's something about us all being on the same page that the Bible even says, if you have a vision, write it down. Make it clear so the people that, that are with you can read it, and though reading it, they can come underneath the same vision. We see the power of unity at the, at, in, in uh, Genesis, I believe it's Genesis 11, in the Tower of Babel. You know, that was a demonic unity and it was so powerful that God said that anything they did would not be impossible for them because of their unity. So he had to come and divide their language. So there's something powerful when unity come together. Jesus said, where two or three agree, touching any one thing, it shall be done for them as they ask in prayer. There's something about being in unity. Okay, so we want to be in unity about what we're going after here as a church so that we're all going after it together. It is not the pastor's job to carry the meetings, to carry the, the full purpose of God. That is impossible, and you're going to have a flop of a church. You will. All the body is supposed to be engaging. Imagine if only like 3 to 7% of your body was functioning. What do you think would be happening? But unfortunately, that's the state of the church. A majority of the church has people who come in and they sit in pews or sit in chairs and they, and they come to church on Sunday, but they're not engaged in their purpose and their calling and the thing that they're meant to do. Well, there's, there's, there's a lot to it, but what we're trying to do is we want to get everyone engaged in their purpose. It's that when you come to church, you should be equipped, you should be trained, and you should be released to function. Bobby Connors used to call it an unction to function. You know, there, you, you need to have an unction to function. And if you don't have an unction inside of you to function, you need to get connected with the Lord in a way that you get his, his unction, his desire, his thing flowing in you so that you can function in the role. You'll never be satisfied until you're doing the very thing that God's called you to do. There's an empty feeling not being connected with your calling. There's something that comes alive when you get connected with your calling and your purpose. So we must have that unction to function. And then we have to not just have the unction, but to actually function in the unction. <laughs> so we want you to f function in the unction. So um, part of what we're wanting to do here is kind of 
cast a vision for what it is that Morningstar is called to. And there's a number of things that the Lord has given us where the Lord has this calling. Every individual church has a specific calling as a church. We have callings as individuals, but then we have corporate callings to how what our place on the wall is supposed to be. Every church is supposed to have something that's a unique or different that God had called that particular church to be. And in truth, God will often take his members in the body and he'll move them from church to church at times because they need to get what that church's calling is. And they'll go from church to church. We may have something for you that you desperately need, but there may come a season when you need something else and God will move you to another church because you need what that church has. And that's okay. It's his body. He should move it around as he sees fit. And we should be happy when we see that happening and not feel, you know, bad about it. It's good. This is one body. We're all on the same team. If one wins, we all win, right? And we're not winning as long as we're not growing up into all aspects into him, which is what we're supposed to do. So I want to share some things about what this church is called to, but my purpose in this really is to um, awaken and to help people realize the need for prayer in the calling. Callings and promises from God. So let's like for this church, there's been a number of words that we've received that we know are callings for this church. But there are times which having these callings, it, it doesn't just happen. Things just don't happen. Okay? We need to understand that. There is an aspect to which we wait on God for his promises. There is a true aspect of that. There's also an aspect to which uh, if you're not engaging with the Lord and sometimes going to war, those promises won't come about. Now, let me give you an example. The scripture is very clear that what was written in the Old Testament was written for us upon whom the ends of the world or end of the ages have come. Okay, these were examples that were in the, they were written. The story of the children of Israel and everything they went through, that was examples for us as New Testament believers to give us insight into truth that we need to understand as New Testament believers upon whom the ends of the age have come. And when you look at the children of Israel, God came to them while they were yet in Egypt with a promise. He gave them a promise. He's first he introduced himself to them. That was good. They met God. They began to see the power of God, and God began to speak promises to them. And I want to suggest to you that your whole Christian walk is a is 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 a part of you hearing from God, hearing promises from God, things that God speaks to you, and then you learning how to fight for those promises. If you don't want to fight, you signed up for the wrong religion. Christianity is about fighting. Now, it's not physical fighting. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. We're, we're not fighting with people. We're fighting with principalities and rulers and spiritual wickedness in heavenly places. We're, we're fighting with our own flesh. 
you know, which we're supposed to crucify daily. We're fighting with all these things um, to see the purposes of God manifested in our life. Now, when God called the Israelites, he said, I'm taking you to a land flowing with milk and honey. There's a promise. And then he goes through all these things that he promised them. Houses they didn't build, vineyards they didn't plant, incredible fruit, all this incredible stuff. It sounded so good. Oh, really, Lord, you're giving me all this? Oh, aren't you so nice, God? I like serving this good God. He's got me set up. He's going to take us to, he's going to put us in a limousine, and he's going to drive us through the wilderness, and we're going to come into this land and stroll in and just have all this free stuff. That's not the way it worked. <laughs> I give you a promise. You're taking you to a land flowing with milk and honey, and you're going to have all this awesome stuff. And the very first place he takes you to when he delivers you from Pharaoh and brings you through the Red Sea, he takes you to a place where you don't even have water to drink. He takes them to a wilderness that was the very opposite of everything that God said they were going to have. And I'm going to tell you that everything that God is doing in your life, there's going to be a process where God speaks to you, he shows you things, he gives you insight, he he gives you callings and purposes and words from him, and then you go into a wilderness where it looks the very opposite of what everything God said. In Psalms, it talks about Joseph, how the word of the Lord tested Joseph. See, Joseph was given this dream, right? And then the first place he goes, he, he, you know, he, gets, the, he gets the dream, all the, the brothers are going to bow down, my father, everybody, I'm going to rule over everybody. And the next thing he goes, he's thrown into a pit, he becomes a slave, he's sold off into a foreign land, having to speak, learn a totally different language. How about that for the purpose of God? Hey, I got a call on your life. You're going to rule everybody. But first, you're going to be a slave. First, you're going to learn how to serve. First, you're going to be tried in the furnace of affliction. And you get to the place to where after the toil and the struggle and the, and the fighting to just hold on to the word that God said, to the word of the Lord tested Joseph. And then he gets to the place. So all of a sudden, the day comes. And he's promoted to the, the second most powerful man in Egypt. And I want to suggest that he was the most powerful man in Egypt because, because of the power that got released through him through the interpretation of that dream. Pharaoh saw the Lord in him, and so Pharaoh submitted himself to the Lord and Joseph. So in reality, by his own influence and the authority that he carried, he became the most powerful man in the world. But he wouldn't have been ready if he didn't go through the fight. And we have to learn to fight. And uh, when those children of Israel, when God's taking them into the promised land, he says, okay, we've come through the wilderness. We've come through the opposite. Now it's time to go in and defeat these giants. Got giants. You know what those are? Those are really big things that try to keep you out of the promises of God. They're scary looking. Things that are scary looking, and they want to keep you from the very promise of God. But what did God tell the children of Israel? Strap on your sword. What, what? What? You want me to do what? 
I thought we were riding in the limo and we're just cruising in. I got, I'm looking for free houses and that I didn't build and vineyards and all this stuff. But you, you, wait a minute, you want me to put a sword on? Wait a minute, you want me to fight those guys? Are you kidding me? And see, that generation turned back. They weren't willing to face their giants and be willing to fight for something. See, God made us and he designed this whole thing so that it, we value the promises enough that we're willing to fight for them. And if you don't value the promises enough that you're willing to fight for them, then you don't deserve them. And I say deserve, none of us deserve it, but I'm saying that we, if we don't value the things that are the most valuable, then God's kind of, it's like the, the scripture says that um, it's the glory of God to conceal a matter, but it's the glory of kings to search a matter out. And that shows us the fact that how we as kings, we have to recognize that what has glory and be willing to pay a price to go search them out, to go, to go fight for them. And I remember one time I was crying out to God about healing. And I'm like, Lord, I see so clearly in scripture about healing. Why is it that we have to fight so hard for this? Why is it not so easier? Why are we struggling so bad? And that's what the Lord spoke to me. He showed me that if you don't value it enough to fight for it, you can't have it. It's just, you have to value what God values. And I want to value what God values, and that means you have to strap on a sword and go to war. Now, the good news is in Psalms 44, it makes it very clear it was not their own sword that saved them but it was the light of his presence. So it's not our own sword that brings us into the land, but at the same time, without your sword, you being willing to be engaged in the battle, God will not give you the promise. You have to engage with God in the battle, and then God delivers your enemies to you as you're willing to pick up your own sword and fight. Now, I want to tell you a quick little story. In 2003, I'm walking, I was, I remember it, to, it was so clear, I'm walking out of my bathroom into my bedroom, um, and right as I crossed the threshold from my bathroom to my bedroom, the Lord speaks to me out of the blue. Wasn't thinking about the Lord, wasn't praying, wasn't doing anything, I'm just walking, and he says, you've almost dealt with your selfish ambition, you're almost ready to pastor, and it just stopped me in my tracks. I remember I was going to turn the corner and go downstairs, and I literally stopped turned around, sat on my bed, and said, where, Lord? He said, the beach. And I'm just sitting there like, whoa. Well, within a month or so, the Lord had confirmed it to me, and he even pinpointed Wilmington. This was 2003. Okay? I'm get, I've got this. They didn't have a and – and it was – I knew it would be with Morningstar. I knew it. It was just instinctually I knew that it was for Morningstar. And the Lord ended up confirming that. I was getting confirming words – and, and so I'm getting these words about pastoring a church here. And every year I'd get words about it. I'd have dreams about it. And boy, I was ready to go. I mean, I was ready. Let's do this thing, God. And then the scripture was, the scripture says, it says, with faith and patience, with faith and patience, you inherit the promises. 
year after year after year of word after word because I would have at least three dreams a year about about Wilmington and often about this church. This church, they didn't have a church here when I got that word. It was like three or four or five months later that this church opened up. It wasn't even on the radar for Morningstar and I didn't tell anybody at Morningstar about this. I kept this quiet as far as the Morningstar team. I didn't keep it quiet as my wife can contest because I talked to her about it and the family members quite a bit, and uh, which they didn't care for too much. Um, <laughs> but, um, but I didn't say anything to leadership. I, I, I pray that, you know, like Mary, I pondered all these things in my heart. I didn't tell anybody because I wanted God to do it. If this was God, let him do it. But at the same time, there was an excitement and year after year after year keeps going by and it was just like good night god is this really you i mean what's the deal year after year now i've done we've done past 2010 and it's been seven years and i'm still contending and i'm and i'm waiting on god i really was i was waiting on god for the appointed time and then in 2016 comes and the Lord speaks something to me that was very um, sobering. He said, if you don't begin to war for that word, it will never happen. Like, what? Wait a minute, Lord, I'm waiting on you. And I was. I, there was nothing I do. I tried to make this happen a couple times. I mean, I, I remember going, I decided, you know what, I'm just going to start getting business leads down here and start driving down here and try to get something opened up. This was so funny because God's like this, but, um, you know, I'm, I'm trying to create an Ishmael because <laughs> I'm getting tired of waiting. This was like 2007 or something, uh, sometime in there, I don't know, somewhere in there. And, and I'm like, you know, I got this, I, I signed up for business leads, so I was going to get my business here, at least moved here, at least maybe I could get moved here, help God out a little bit. And, um, and so I, I get a lead, you know, so I'm like, I'm get, I go down on a Monday, I'm going to go down and travel down here and stay down here and follow up with this lead and see if I can get a job going, you know, because I'm, I'm a general contractor. Uh, and so... I, right as I get in the car, I shut the door. I'm crank right right before I crank the engine. I was right about to turn the engine on, and I hear this song that I hadn't heard in a long time. Uh, for you rockers out there, hair band people, it's White Snake, and the song is "Here I Go Again on My Own," and it just pops up in my heart and in my head. And I knew that I, I just started having this sinking feeling, like, Lord, really, is that you? just pops up in my head. Here I go again on my own. You're not going with me. And so then I started wondering if this, you know, if this was an Ishmael and it was. So I wasted a trip. I was supposed to meet my mother-in-law down here anyway. So I went ahead and came, but I, I began to realize that this was, an, this was me trying to, to do something in my own strength. And so I, there is a waiting on God. Okay. I'm not trying to diminish that. But when he spoke to me in 2016 and said, if you don't start warring for this, it's not going to happen. You know what I began to do? I said, okay, God. So this was, I said, Lord, Father, thank you for my calling. Thank you for my purpose, Lord God, in Wilmington. 
I just declare breakthrough right now. Lord, I just ask for a release from heaven to open up the doors of from heaven. Lord, that what door you open, no man can shut. And what door you shut, no man can open. Lord, open up the doors for me to come into my purpose in Wilmington. Father, just release angels ahead of me to begin to prepare the way so that I can come into my purpose. And I started praying like this for a whole year, a whole year, consistently, daily, interceding, crying out for God to move, declaring what the Lord has spoken over my destiny, declaring it, taking up the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. I was speaking. Whoever says to the mountain, be taken up and move. I began to speak to the mountains that were hindering me. And I began to war. You understand what I mean? War. You're interceding. You're crying out. You're engaged in a supernatural battle that is not seen with your natural eye, but it's affecting things in the spirit, just like Daniel, who begins to cry out to the Lord. And from the moment the Lord heard him, he released an angel, but that angel got held up in the heavenlies. Y'all know the story, right, in Daniel, where the angel gets released. As soon as Daniel starts praying, the, the Lord releases this angel to answer Daniel, to come and help. But the, the angel gets held up right there. Turn off your alarm, wherever that is. Maybe that's a wake-up call. <laughs> it's a wake-up call. Wake up. Alarm's going off. We got to get serious about this thing. Daniel began to engage for 21 days, he did not stop until the answer came. There's something about contending for breakthrough until the breakthrough comes. But you know what happens? We contend for a little, by, a little bit. We get tired in well-doing. And the scripture says, do not grow weary in well-doing, for in due time you will reap if you faint not. So many believers, and I've been there. I've been there. I'm guilty where we get weary in well-doing and we faint and then we don't reap the promises that God promised us and we think God failed. God didn't fail. God's word is true, but the scripture says in uh, Hebrews 3 and Hebrews chapter 4, it's talking about the children of Israel. He said, they had a good word preached to them, but it did not help them because they did not add faith to the hearing. You have to add faith to the hearing. And faith is an action word. Faith means that you're willing to contend for something. The children of Israel that didn't have faith were the ones that ran from the giants. They ran. The ones, the generation later, the ones that went into the land, they went in to face the same giants. They had faith, the scripture says. They moved forward in faith. And in that faith, they contended against the giants and God, and God delivered them into their hands and they got their houses, they got their vineyards, they got their waters, their wells. It was a, it was a garden, but they had to be willing to fight for it. Okay? We've got to become warriors. This last day bride is gonna be a, a bride that's gonna be a warrior bride. She's going to know how to fight. She's going to know how to have faith. She's going to know how to stand. She's going to know how to go after some strongholds. What does it say? That the gates of hell shall not prevail against my church. Where are the gates of hell? 
What does that tell us? The gates of hell. That talks about an advancing church that's attacking the enemy stronghold. That's not the enemy attacking them. Gates don't move. They're positioned in their place. That's the picture of the church attacking the gates of hell, and the gates of hell will not prevail. They can't stand. Just like Jericho, those walls fell down. When we contend in faith for the promises of God, when we begin to stand, declare, those walls come falling down. Now, let me apply this to something, and then we're going to switch gears. We all have promises from God. God is not a man that he should lie. He's not a liar. He don't have to say anything. And if he says it, he's God. What you going to say to him? If he says something, he says it because it's true. If you don't think it's true, that's on you. He don't, uh, that's on you. It ain't got nothing to do with him and his word. He said his word would not return void. It will not return void. So if there's a problem with the word that God spoke, and let me guess who the problem might lie with. It ain't God. And this is painful because I, I get the frustration. I have it in my own life of seeing things that don't look like what God said. But how bad do you want it? Are you willing to fight for it? God's word is true. We have to contend for the word of God. Some of us have all these promises, maybe promises over family, promises over finances, promises over this, promises over that. Maybe you're supposed to pastor church somewhere. It wasn't until I waged war for a year in 2017, in February the 28th, was the beginning of a week of supernatural occurrences that were so dramatic that it convinced my wife, who was not coming to Wilmington, that God wanted us in Wilmington. And here we are. And then we came here for a year and a half and had to wait another year and a half after we got here before the Lord released me as into this past, to be pastor here. And I didn't talk to anybody at, at Morningstar to set me over. This is it. God did this. I moved here in faith because God said go. I moved forward in faith. We have to move forward in faith. We have to engage. We have to war for your promises, war for your personal promises. If you care enough about the calling of God, be willing to fight for it. And if you don't, then you, I'm going to tell you a very painful truth. You're going to show up in heaven, and God's going to reveal to you all the things that he had for you, and you didn't want to fight for it. And it's too late then. It's too late to see the lives that you were going to impact. It's too late to see the destiny of people that were going to be changed because you stepped into your purpose. And there is a lot of weeping and gnashing of teeth for believers who make it to heaven and they realize how much they missed because they weren't willing to lay aside the comforts and the engagements of life to pick up their sword and go fight for a promised land. Okay, now let's bring that back to the church a minute. This church has calling. Something we were we, we had a leadership meeting up in the falls uh, two weeks a week ago. No, when was it? a week ago? A little over a week ago. That last day we there we felt like the Lord gave us some downloads about um, writing the vision, making it plain, so that those that read it can run in the sense that we need to be all corporately engaged in praying in the purpose of God on this church. God speaking it doesn't mean it happens. 
God speaking it is an invitation for us to get engaged with him, to put on our sword and to fight for the promise that's in his heart. But we have to see the promise and we have to be willing to fight for it. Both are necessary. God told Abraham, go out from your tent, look to the north, south, east, and west. As far as your eye can see, I will give you the land. You have to see it first. If you can see it, God will give it to you, but you're going to have to strap on your sword and wage war. And that's what the Lord taught me when he said, if you don't start warring for your promise over pastoring in Wilmington, it's not going to happen. That was such a sobering word for me. Because here I have been waiting on God through faith and patience and good gosh, Lord, I've been waiting. My wife knows how long I waited, how much I wanted to, to engage in that. I felt like there was a fire burning in me to preach and go into church service and just sitting there for year after year after year, feeling the burning inside of me to preach. It was a death. And it was meant to be. <laughs> okay? So here at this church, there's a number of things that we, you know, we have a vision statement, which we believe from God. First one is that we, what? What's the first vision statement? What's the first thing that we're after? God's presence. We want his presence here. We want a place that, you know, we hope people are comfortable here, but if you're not comfortable, that's, that we don't really care as much about that as we do making sure he's comfortable here. We want God to be comfortable here. And there's a big difference between people who say church is for God, but they're really doing it for the people. We want church to be a really for him. And we're just riding in and enjoying it. If he's happy, if he's pleased with what's going on here, if he is made welcome, people will come. But our focus isn't on the people first. It's on God and his presence, pleasing him. That's number one. Number two, we feel like it's our responsibility, as it is every local church, to equip the saints for the work of service. Ephesians 4, 11, 12, and 13, it goes on to say that they might grow up into all aspects into him. He's given some apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers for the equipping the saints for the work of service. It's not the, it's not the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastors, teachers that's the job to do all the ministry. It's their job to equip the body to do all the ministry. So we have to equip the body. We have to get to a place where our body is functioning 100%. And if... And, and Paul said, I am at labor until Christ is formed in you. If Christ didn't grow up inside of you, then we, we got some, some things we got to look at ourselves. Now, everyone works out their own salvation of fear and trembling. We can't make, but we can lead horses to water. Whether you drink it, that's up to you, but we have to at least as leaders be willing to lead the people to the water. And, if you, and that's a, a, a saying, but, you know, we're... People have to choose it, but we have to present it to the people so they can choose. Okay, so our job is that we're to labor, we're praying, we're teaching, we're doing things to see the people equipped and they're calling. Second is we want to be, a, or third, we, we want to be a family, a true functioning family where we love one another and we're doing life together because we're not just an organization. We're the body of Christ. We're the bride. We're family. We're being joined together. But outside of that, so we're praying into all three of those. 
But there's some other specific things that the Lord has shown us for this church. And one of them, and I just want to focus on this for a minute, is the Lord's made it very clear that this is supposed to be a, um, a healing center where people come in and they get healed of whatever they're going through physically, in all ways. But we believe God has called this house to be a house of healing. We believe it. We think we've had dreams about it. We've had words from the Lord. And so we want to begin to, as a body, as a church, please take it your assignment to start praying for God to release the healing. You know, I'm just, don't, don't raise your hands. Everybody hear me say, don't raise your hands. Do not raise your hands. I'm not trying to out anybody, but I just want to, but how many people spent time praying for this service today before you came? I got a feeling if people were raising their hands, there might be a few hands raised up, right? I almost want to see. <laughs> Here's the point. This isn't my service. It's our service. So why are you not engaged in your service? You know, it was cool about the children of Israel. He said he gave each tribe land and they had to go in and fight for their land. They had to do it. It wasn't one tribe fighting for everybody else's, all the other tribes. Each tribe had personal responsibility to fight for their, their, their inheritance. There's inheritance in God here that every single one of you needs to be engaged. So I just want to kind of get us thinking a little different. These services are your services. Take ownership in them. If you don't see God moving, whose fault is it? It's not, it's not mine. I'm praying for the services. If it ain't happening, it's y'all's fault. I'm just going to tell you, it's y'all's fault. <laughs> I pray on Monday nights. I pray with the church on, uh, uh, with the leadership team. Then I pray. We're praying on, and I need to pray more, honestly. I really do. That's one of the things I know Miriam had a dream for me a, uh, a couple months ago about, about that. And I began to, you know, my, my need to begin to contend, to pray, be awake spiritually, praying over the church. And I've started trying to do that more and more. I pray for you guys. I'm praying that Christ is formed in you, that your Christ is growing up inside of you. But we all have to engage in that. And so I'm saying that you got to take personal responsibility about your meeting. Does that make sense? We've got to see the power of God come. We have got to see healings occur where people are walking in and they're, not, they're leaving different. And I'm contending for that, but I don't think the Lord's going to give it to me if I just contend for it. I think we have to contend for it. So my job and Paul's job and Josh's job is to get you guys to contend with us for these things, and we're going to see revival in this, in this city. we see revival in this church. You know, that's one of the things, one of the words that we were getting, and Paul shared a lot about this, is that the, this place is supposed to start where there's a rumor goes out that Jesus is here. And people are going to start coming because of a rumor that Jesus is here and he's healing the sick. And so that's the goal. We want you guys to engage. You need to war for your personal promises. You have promises on your life that are yours. You're not going to come into them without praying, without sometimes fasting. 
Fasting, you know why fasting is important? It shows that you value something spiritual more than natural. You're putting your flesh under. There is something very painful about fasting that's important for killing the flesh. The scripture says we're to put the flesh under. Now, you can get religious over it to where your, your faith is in your fast, and that's not what the fasting is about, but there are times that God calls you into fasting so that you can put your flesh under and say, I value the spiritual more than the natural. I value the promises of God. I value the spirit realm more than I care about this natural, temporal hunger. Remember Esau couldn't go without a meal? And what happened to him? We have to learn how to go without a meal. We should value the birthright more than we value feeding our bellies. And I, I saw in a dream one time the last day church, and they were fasting on a regular basis. And trust me, I hate to say that. <laughs> I hate it. I've been fasting my whole, almost my whole adult life on a regular basis. I don't like it. It's the worst. But I couldn't be where I'm going without it. There's a spiritual power that gets released. And it's not power like God's up there waiting for us to fast to do something. No. It's getting me in alignment with the spirit and shutting my flesh up enough so that I can actually break through this flesh. When it gets everything it wants all the time, it begins to rule me. But when I have those moments where I say, flesh, get under. Yeah, you're starving, you're hungry, but shut up. You're going to keep going. You're not going to eat today. And yeah, you don't like it, suck it up. You're not controlling me. I'm led by the Spirit. Remember when Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness where he, was, where he fasted? We have to learn how to let the Spirit lead us where the flesh doesn't want to go. Okay. So let's wage war for our church. Let's wage war for our personal promises. Let's wage war for our families, our kids, for everything. All right? Let me tell you something. Some of you in here, you want someone else to fix your problems. Maybe the pastor or this person or that person, and it's not going to come that way. I mean, don't get me wrong, we need one another, but that's only, we only need one another as the Spirit is doing a work through each member to, to others. But it's not dependency on that person, it's dependency on the Spirit that can move through anybody in the body. You understand what I'm saying? You don't need me per se. The Lord may use me to help some of you, but I'm not your source. No one else in here is your source. That's why John says that the anointing teaches. He didn't say we need teachers. We need the anointing to teach. And so we have to begin to see the Lord in people, but there are certain things you're not going to get without fighting for it yourself. You got a Bible, you got the Holy Spirit. Pick up the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word in God, and begin to fight for yourself. If you don't care enough to defeat those giants yourself, then you're just going to be defeated. There's some things that you're not going to defeat until you're willing to pick up your own sword and fight for it. And that may seem hard, tough. It is. It's reality. I'm, I'm here to be a drill sergeant today, not to be a, a, a pat you on the back type of person, because we're in war. And a drill sergeant prepares people for the realities of war, and soldiers w survive when their drill sergeant tells them the truth 
He prepares them for difficulty. Christianity is difficulty. Suck it up, buttercup. (laughs) I'm serious. I'm being hard, but I'm serious, guys. We got to become this army. We've got to learn how to be warriors and start fighting for things. Do y'all hear me? I'm saying this out of love. I'm not trying this to be hard. I'm saying this because this is what we need to hear. Okay? Because I love every single one of you, and I want you to succeed and have everything that God has for you. All right. This is the stuff I'm going to share on baptism, which is probably going to happen more at the, the baptismal. But baptism is so important. It's, uh, there's so much scripture on baptism. And I don't believe that baptism saves you because we know that the man on the cross, Jesus said, today you will be with me in paradise. He believed and on the cross he got saved and, and he went to heaven. Okay, he was never baptized. But I do believe that for you not to get baptized when Jesus clearly says to him who believes and is baptized shall be saved, but he who disbelieves shall be condemned. There's an aspect to which baptism is a part of being obedient to Christ. And so baptism is a, uh, is a very important thing. It's a, and I think there's spiritual things that people get set free from when they get baptized because it's a picture of being buried with him in baptism. Your old man's going down. You're getting washed in the death because we're buried with him in baptism. We're entering into his death by going under the water. And the water, what cleanses us, right? Not literally, not the physical water, but it's the, the cleansing of our conscience where we have now come up when we've been raised up with Christ just as Christ came up out of the grave. Now we are in him coming up out of the water into his life. For I've been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. Christ is living in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Baptism is so important. It's a picture of us dying to ourselves, laying down our lives to pick up his cross, to follow him daily, and to live for him. And we were raised with him. And so I'm going to go into that a lot more at at, uh, the baptism.